five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier podcast for everything to do with the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce, the voice coming to you just before the start of the Overwatch League 2021 season. Joined virtually, as always, by the wonderfully on-time Omni at Omni Stripe. Welcome, Omni. Uh, days of the week. How do they work again? In fairness, with the pandemic, they're... they're they seem to blend together. Like we kind of talked about this before, but like, I'm so shocked that the season kicks off this weekend. <laughs> yeah. And to be like completely honest, like I think when you go into Costco, you're kind of stepping into another dimension. Time and space mm-hmm. operates differently there. That's true. And you were at Costco. I've not actually been to Costco for a bit myself, uh, still uh, in isolation uh, due oh, to yeah. uh, Baby Force's uh, exposure at daycare. Uh, we're all still doing fine. Knock on wood, we're all still healthy. So hopefully things turn around. And I, I get to venture into the experience that is Costco myself uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, I am I play Reinhardt in Costco too. Like, <laughs> get out of my way. I got my cart and I just run. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're not here to talk about Costco. No, we're here to talk about the Overwatch League season and the fact that things kick off this weekend. Both the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans have a couple matches lined up. In fact, uh, the uh, two teams also play each other, which is awesome. Helps us out as a podcast. But we thought we needed to do something special to get this season off on the, the right foot. And while the power rankings, powered by even more science, less Sam, might have been it, that, that didn't just didn't feel special enough, did it? Mm, it was almost special enough, but not not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. You're right. So we decided that we needed to go and maybe arrange for a special guest, right? Because we hadn't had a guest on our show in a in a while, a few episodes, and we thought, well, how else could we go and kick off the season? So we reached out to Jeff Kaplan. I'm hoping he'll get back to us at some point. But we also reached out to both the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant. And uh, we are pleased to share that joining us for this show are both KDG, head coach of the Toronto Defiant, and Justin Hughes, the assistant general manager for the Vancouver Titans. We have interviewed each one of them separately. Uh, We needed to do so because we didn't want things to uh, start getting too heated uh, before the weekend. But we uh, talked to both about uh, their approach going into the season. Uh, we get some really good uh, insight as to their roles and what they were looking for when it came to putting together their rosters and sort of the expectations as they have uh, coming not only into the first round of the Battle of Canada, but the rest of the uh, the 2021 season. And the question that every single one of you wants to know, what are their thoughts on Putin? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very important question. And as a Canadian podcast, uh, we are powered by Putin. But we'll also set up the rest of the uh, Overwatch League uh, weekend as, uh, as, again, everything is underway on Friday. Mm-hmm. We also got some trash talking out of them. Not on the Putin, uh, but... Oh, no. <laughs> but that, and that was unprompted, just to point that out. Like, there, there's, a, there's a little... Uh, Spit and vinegar uh, within, oh, yeah. uh, within things. So if, again, you'll want to stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll kick things off with the payload. We'll dive into those interviews and then we'll get into the fray. Everything that you've come to expect from Ready, Set, Pwn. So you know what? 
Let's start pushing it. Moving the payload. Join me. The Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans kick things off this weekend, Saturday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, in what should be a solid indicator as to how these teams are approaching the season. Uh, having spoken, and again, the interviews have already happened, you'll hear them a little bit later, but having spoken to KDG and Justin, both are approaching this match as one that they want to win. Why wouldn't they? And I'm genuinely excited to, to see how this will play out. I mean, we think back to last season, the, the new form Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant provided us some very entertaining matches, and I'm hoping they'll get more of the same. Yeah, there's not a lot to add uh, other than like all players and everyone who's involved is going to have like crazy case of the butterflies and everybody is excited. Nobody really knows uh, what types of game plans we're going to see. So unless these uh, two teams scrimmed each other a lot uh, or for us, it'll be kind of like a blank slate. And like you said, nobody wants to uh, lose their first game regardless mm -hmm. of who they're playing. But now like being the Canadian uh, Derby in a way it's even there's even more pressure and that's a question we asked both KDG and, and Justin and you might be surprised uh, by by one of the responses but it is truly that that Derby match um, it's it's no different than the Battle of Texas or previously the the Battle of Los Angeles which one will not happen and two I'm not entirely sure you can even call it that if the two teams face off <laughs> but the point is, is this this sort of a cachet to uh, the expectation that both fans of both teams have, you know, looking at this, the Toronto defiant are arguably the stronger roster. And I don't think that's unfair for us to, to suggest otherwise, because when we look at the pedigree of those players, um, they have quite a bit, whereas the Vancouver Titans, um, sure. They brought in uh, the likes of fire, right? Wiener, as well as, uh, Linkser, who have some pedigree, but then you have Shred, Dalton, as well as Rolf and Taru, who, I mean, Taru being completely new to Overwatch League, have less. And having, you know, spoken to to people, I think it's a fair assessment to say Toronto's Toronto's the definitive favorite going into the this weekend. Yeah, I'd say like both teams have upgraded the rosters uh, throughout the offseason. But Toronto, at least on paper, uh, look like they've upgraded uh, more so than mm -hmm. Vancouver. Uh, they brought in a lot of um, well-known players. We we all saw how Sato uh, performed last uh, season. Hisu. Um, I'm just mentioning, you know, the the, the newly acquired talent that had uh, very impressive performances uh, uh, last season. Michelle as well. So I, I'm pretty sure that. At least uh, uh, on paper, uh, they do seem like the better uh, equipped team for this match. And and that's, again, not discounting the fact that Logix is still there. We know Logix right. is going to pop off. Beast will play in, and, and he truly does you know, play uh, like a beast when he, he flexes in his, in his main tank. It, it just, it, when it comes right down to it, going into this season, really all we have is pedigree, and, and Toronto has more of it. Yeah, but but for Vancouver, if it's not a game that you know, I, and I'm sure this is the case for them, they're not going in feeling, oh, what what are we going to do? I'm sure they're mm -hmm. they're in it to win it. It's not like they're playing, uh, I don't know, San Francisco Shock or anything like that. Uh, yeah, it's a like, team. Let's let's get a map. This yeah. is, I think. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. I think Vancouver is coming into it. We think we can win. Sure, it's it's 
even though, like what we said, they look uh, more for- formidable, uh, still the Defiant are not like this uh, uh, untouchable team. They're not that far off, especially when it's like the, the first game, anything is possible. So yeah. I'm sure it'll be a, a close match, more closer than what people uh, might expect, perhaps. Okay, well, that said, how do you see this match uh, panning out? Who do you have uh, walking away with the win? I think Toronto. I I'll, I'll do a cop out. I'll take the classic uh, five gamer, the the the, the three, three two. two. Yeah. So I'm gonna suggest the Defiant might win three one, but it's mm-hmm. one of those sort of three ones where it should have maybe been three two. Oh yeah. Like okay. I and I I I give Toronto the advantage because I feel they have the pedigree, and as you're gonna hear sort of in the interviews a little bit later on. Uh, I think they're approaching the match maybe with that battle of Canada edge that might not be as present in Vancouver. So again, you'll, you'll you'll learn more when you hear these conversations with KDG and Justin. One thing that's also going to be like uh, going against Vancouver, especially early into the season, because we don't know how, how like uh, it will play out for them, but at the beginning when you're coming in as one of the you know lower late uh, you know rated teams uh, i think most power rankings rank them right at the bottom you don't want to be that team that loses to to vancouver so i think uh they'll try hard not to be that one maybe as the the weeks go by and we have a case uh like hopefully like what we saw with with the valiant uh last season that's like best case scenario for vancouver i believe uh, uh, but until that happens, every team will, will come in strong, I think, against Vancouver. Not not wishing to be that same... Uh, it's almost the same The case we saw last time, last season, when, when the roster got reshuffled and nobody wanted to lose uh, um, to that, you know... New roster. Collection yeah. of, of uh, Tier 2 players that were just, like, you know, kidnapped from contenders and been put on the big stage. But... You know what? Some some teams did lose. So well, and, and that that we saw that happen. I think it was with Dallas and That's Boston. Right. That's right. The uh, weekend does continue for the two teams. However, uh, the Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant both uh, face off again, not against each other, but on Sunday, the Vancouver Titans will be taking on the Florida Mayhem. That uh, game is scheduled to start at one thirty uh, p.m. Pacific, four thirty Eastern, and again, scheduled to start is relative to the match in front of it. Um, as we know, Overwatch League matches aren't considered appointment viewing; only the actual day is. So, however, uh, quickly the shock dispatch the Houston Outlaws means the Titans will take on the Mayhem soon after. And then the Toronto Defiant to follow that up uh, by taking on the Atlanta Reign, again scheduled for uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. But let's talk a little bit about the Titans-Mayhem matchup. Compared to the Titans-Defiant matchup, do the Titans have an equal chance against the Mayhem, or do we view the Mayhem as being the, the better team here, considering the two opponents? Uh, knowing what we know, which is not not much... True. Uh, oh, maybe, maybe, no, it's kind of the same. I'd say like Florida, they're kind of like polar opposites in a way where, where Florida is really st- has a really strong support line and, and Toronto has like a better tank line and, and the exact opposite of, of at least what we know of on paper. <sighs> they're about the same. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, 
see, I feel, and this again, disrespects, you know, those defiant fans that are probably listening. I feel the mayhem are the better team knowing what it is yeah. that we know going into the season. Um, when I look at their, their, their lineup, it's a team that's slightly better. Mm-hmm. I also then consider who they're playing against. They're the Florida mayhem of a player who's likely going to have a chip on his shoulder forevermore when it comes to the Vancouver Titans and slime. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't never helps when you have a player who wants to beat you, you know, despite anything else. Uh, to me, I, I would just simply say the Florida mayhem are going to be the Vancouver Titans 3 0. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that's uh, it, and also they don't have any rookies on their like at least starting lineup. So, uh, these guys they know what is expected. They've been on the big stage and they'll they'll be ready. That's it's their first game too. So oh no, they played the Atlanta Rain before. Sorry about that. But uh regardless, I think um they're gonna be ready. Yeah. And this then takes us into the final matchup on Sunday, and that is the Toronto Defiant taking on the Atlanta Rain. And <clears throat> I'm I'm a little bit challenged when it comes to understanding this matchup. I feel I have to give it to the Defiant, but then when I look at the Rain roster, I mean, it's not bad. Like this is one of those matches because it's so early. I feel it could go either way. Yep, yeah, I agree. Um, I do give Toronto the edge a little bit here. Uh, maybe it's the biased uh, <laughs> podcaster in me, but I kind of feel like they might have the edge here over Atlanta Rain. Well, I think if I look at the Toronto Defiant, the Tor- like when we think about sort of ceiling, max potential, the Defiant have that over the rain. But the rain seem to be, not, I want to say more consistent because again, our, our sample size is negligible at this point. Yeah. I do give it to the Defiant. Like I just feel this is like a 3-2 for the Defiant. And I could be proven wrong, but it, it just, I just, I give the edge to Toronto. I, I just... This is, I have yeah. some doubts here. Cause again, I, we haven't seen matches. That's the mm-hmm. tough part. I wish there was somewhat of a, you know, preseason, I, like an actual preseason, something that could just yeah, introduce uh, us to these teams a little bit better. But I think the biggest X factor in here will be Pelican. Mm-hmm. If he's like at least 80% of what people expect him to be in this first match, then they might pull off the victory here. But uh, like across the board, uh, Defiant maybe looking a little bit better, but again, Pelican has that uh, potential ceiling that's higher than any Flex DPS, I'd say on on um, on the Defiant yeah. right now. So, I mean, you you give it to the Defiant, but I'll give it to Defiant. The yeah, um, the score it'll be three one. Three one. Okay. So, I mean, this does if the matches go the way that you believe they will sets the Toronto Defiant up for some solid success to get the season going and puts them in a great position. Uh, when we, we get into the, the May tourney, whereas with the Vancouver Titans, we both are predicting two losses, which does the exact opposite. You never want to go. Oh, two to start any season. So, so obviously uh, Tor- uh, Toronto is going to lose both and, t- and Vancouver is going to win both. I hope we don't have that, that <laughs> impact or that, you know, level of effect to, to the actual matches, but uh, Hey, it happened before. <laughs> true. True that. True that. Um, what else has been happening in the world of Toronto defiant and the Vancouver Titans? Well, I'd let you know what's going on with the Vancouver Titans, but I actually don't know what that is. Nothing has changed on that front, um, which is kind of surreal 
Here we are recording only days away from the start of the Overwatch League season. And there's currently a conversation taking place in Titans Court where people are asking like, hey, is there going to be a watch party? Would be cool to have a virtual watch party. Is there going to be anything going on? And it's, it's like crickets. There's no one saying like, it's so weird. And then you have the Toronto Defiant. It's like a spectacular weekend of there's a schedule of content creators, like the entire team. Um, it's a stream schedule through their, their Canon creator lab. You've got the virtual watch parties taking place. You've got uh, community game nights. Like I know we've beat this horse so many times. But I, I, I truly wish the Vancouver Titans at some point in time would wake up and take a look at what happens in Toronto and how successful Toronto is and, and figures out a way to do it themselves. It would be awesome to have two very successful, strong Overwatch League teams here in Canada. The Maple Leaf should be the one that dominates. And while Toronto does a solid job, and you know what? I think is more than capable of carrying that mantle. The better the scene is for us up north, the better it is for, for everyone. But... Toronto Defiant, as I said, do have lots going on, but they also uh, shared, and this actually is the parent company OAM over Active Media, shared that they have uh, additional investment. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, this is the NHL hockey team out of Montreal, uh, they've invested money, as have Phil Kessel, and I believe the other player was Carl Hagelin, two NHL uh, uh, players. But again, this shows you how big esports is in Canada, how confident, uh, you know, an organization like the Montreal Canadiens are in esport looking to invest it with OAM. And it, it just speaks volumes, uh, to, to everything that OAM, but the Toronto defiant, uh, the mad lions, the Toronto ultra, they all doing. I mean, in fact, the ultra and mad lions both had a very successful weekend in their own right. So very, very bright things happening, uh, out east. I'm not surprised. Like big props to Adam and everyone else involved. I mean, if I had capital, I would invest in OAM as well. <laughs> well, I, you know, uh, Sam, who you know, as people might know, former co-host of the show, uh, he actually I think owns shares in Enthusiast Gaming, which is something like we we truly don't know the ownership structure yes. here. Why wasn't any? Why wasn't this reported? Well, because Sam. Well, he only after he left. Actually, he after he left is when he bought shares. I have contemplated just buying a share just because I could say I'm an owner. Okay, like, so that that was also probably the reason why I left the you know left the podcast. He can't <laughs> he can't be uh, he's always partial now. So you know, true. I, I think it would be what would be really cool is if RSP actually you know held shares in in both teams. <laughs> if there was some way, shape, or form to make that happen, I, I'd I'd love to sort of you know be uh, have a have some skin in the game true the amount of skin that we'd have in the game is significantly different than i think it was like 40 million dollars that we, we oam should, raised uh, today but then we should cool. rename to ready set stonks ready set stonks oh that's a good uh, uh, title yeah so so we've got ready set ball episode of ready set ball is going to come up <laughs> you'll eventually have ready set stonks right i mean uh this is this is going going really well, uh, but it doesn't even stop there. The Toronto Defiant then also shared that they have a merch partner uh, in uh, I believe it's pronounced Hacks H four X. I mean that's how I would I would look at it. Yeah. But to to provide some context here, uh, this is a a partner who allows for them to produce merch 
and make it accessible to those of us north of the border. Canadians who can get merch without having the worry of paying for duty or, you know, significantly exorbitant shipping fees because of it coming Ooh. from, let's say, the United States or, or, or overseas. And looking at the, the apparel lineup, uh, the lookbook that they shared, there's some pretty solid stuff available if you're a fan of the Toronto Defiant. Like I'm, I'm kind of looking at this and I'm like, you know what? I, I, I'd like, I like that. I'd like kind that. Nice. I like that. And I'm like, imagine trying to explain to the wife why I had to go and get all these clothes. You know, that's the problem. <laughs> like it's, I don't want to have that conversation with her, uh, but Hey, if, if anyone's listening, yeah, you, I mean, you can get her one too, and then she'll be okay with it. You know, if a loot, well, I don't know if she would, I actually genuinely don't know if she, she, she'd be okay with it. If I got her one, I need to get baby force stuff. Like she would wear it. Uh, baby, no, baby force. Cool. I wonder if actually the Titans or the, the defiant actually make toddler sized clothes. I've never looked into it, but baby force totally would wear it. Just um, wash them enough and they'll shrink. True. Um, but yeah, if you know, anyone's listening that has the power to send like a loot crate our way. I mean, Hey, Oh, we can be easily bought. I mean, I think we've made this very clear. We're, we, we have no shame. We should have spoken to KDG in, uh, about this. And Justin, right? Like, yeah, and Justin although too. in fairness, we, with the Vancouver Titans, we don't know what's going on in the merch situation <laughs> in Vancouver. There's still, hey, I, I still it, get the emails from like the Overwatch League merch shop, which I'm not going to go and spend that much money on no, stuff. On fanatics, no. Maybe mm. like me, they're still at Costco. I'm not sure. Maybe there's, maybe. there's great apparel there, very affordable. Uh, and then uh, one final bit of news is the newest uh, community hero for the Toronto Defiant is Chloe. Um, for those that uh, are in Defiant Court, everyone knows Chloe. In fact, anyone within the Toronto Defiant scene knows her. Uh, there are so many phenomenal people. She is just one of many. Uh, so again, huge accolades to to Chloe for for winning the community hero award. Every time they, they announce the, a winner, it's like, oh, yeah, I could totally see that person receiving it. Um, yeah. it, it it's just cool. And, again, we're going to say this. It's, it's a broken record. Everything that the Defiant do to embrace their community and recognize their community is phenomenal. Um, they set a standard that teams in the Overwatch League uh, can perform to. And I know they would tell you, probably tell everyone that themselves, but I feel it's important for us to recognize. Um, I won't claim to, to know each team inside out. Like I'm not jumping into all the team discords or engaging all the teams. I, I have really no interest in doing that. Um, but it is just amazing to see everything that they, they do. And, and again, Chloe, congratulations on the honor. And the fact that you now get that light blue uh, role in Defiant Chord stand out, nice. uh, stand out from the rest. Can we send you to the LA Valiant discord? No. Do they even have a Discord now? I mean, I, I think know. they have a team. I still actually haven't seen much it's of been, anything other than what the league shared. So. question. Yeah. Anyhow, speaking of great questions, uh, what we're going to do here is dive into an interview. First up is KDG, head coach of the Toronto Fight, and he's going to go and set up the season. Bring it on! I live for this! So I'm pleased to share our special guest from the Toronto Defiant. We have head coach KDG here joining myself and Omni to talk a little bit about the Defiant, uh, his journey within the Overwatch League and set up for the Overwatch League 2021 season, which is only days away. I, I cannot believe it's only days away. It feels like we were talking about this back in December as being months, which is true. And now here we are in April and the season's about to launch. But welcome KDG to the show. Thank you for joining us. 
Hi. Yeah. Thank you for joining. It's it's good to actually have someone who understands Overwatch a little bit on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we've had uh, we've had occasion to have some guests that they may not be as familiar with the game. So someone of your expertise is is always a. Uh, uh, good to to have on, but uh, we thought we'd uh, jump in talking a little bit about uh, uh, your experience, sort of as a head coach, uh, especially when we think about last year. Um, so, for those that uh, don't know, uh, you were head coach of the the Philadelphia Fusion, who um, I would say had a, a successful season, though I understand you know not you know winning the the league uh, uh, might redefine things a bit. Um, but I would imagine your expectations in, in Philadelphia were quite high throughout the season, um, how much did the pandemic impact those expectations as, as obviously Philadelphia seemed to, to weather the storm, the transition to that sort of online format better than, than some other teams did. Could you give us uh, some insight into that? Uh, to be honest, uh, the one aspect uh, pandemic first, and then, uh, we start until uh, we start homestand like a lab match until mm. April. So until that time, uh, travel was good, but schedule was even tough. But everything was uh, fun and then good. But starting like a online match, uh, maybe players more comfortable because uh, they can play facility. I mean, I mean, they can play match in the facility, and then we don't need to move a lot. But <coughs> getting, I mean. Starting maybe June or August, our players had a lot of stress because we can't go out. So mm -hmm. last year, I tried to uh, help to play. I mean, help players about the mental. Especially, I heard a lot of team has a, a mental issue because mm -hmm. a player has to only focus only Overwatch. I mean, even they are pro professional player. Sometimes they have to do something else, but we couldn't. So, but uh, that's why I had to make uh, players, especially focus Overwatch, and they have to mental. And then maybe we are the maybe most successful about the. Uh, I mean, maybe focus Overwatch. How I don't know how to explain exactly, but yeah, that's why we were pretty good last season. Cool. And, you know, thinking about that experience uh, with the Fusion last year with the Toronto Defiant, uh, now that you're head yeah. coach uh, this way, um, you know that you're going to be online this season. I mean, the likelihood of, of live events might be possible, but I think, you know, the way things are going, we're probably going to see a, a completely online season. Um, do you yeah. feel that you're you're in a better position and, and better prepared having sort of learned from that experience uh, last season in that transition with Philadelphia as you take on the, the challenge of the Defiant? Uh, yes, of course. I've Last year, I feel like uh, Fusion was not the uh, underdog. And mm. then they had, uh, they had a lot of uh, players. I mean, they had a, uh, like, uh, how to say, they had an the original team and then add some players. So, Basically, they uh, some player, maybe five or six players, has a experience played like over three years, like a uh, experience. But mm -hmm. this Toronto team, uh, maybe Logic's only Beast, and then Sado, and then Hizu has a one year, a one year experience. Mm -hmm. So uh, basically, we are the new team, and then 
Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, we are the underdog. So, but I have a confidence because uh, we are getting better and then we are improve a lot. And then I can see the scream, and then I can feel it like our performance. I mean, in the scream. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a uh, very challenging uh, for you as a coach and uh, yeah. you know every time it seems like you have a completely different uh, story yeah your first team was the Seoul dynasty in the overwatch League and then uh, you were on the fusion and now uh, uh, it's the defiant it's kind of like a roller coaster yeah so I would like to hear how you manage you know building or constructing the roster. Uh, when it's off season, not during the season, but when it's off season, like how do you prioritize? Is there something that you look for? Is it coachability? Is it personality? Yeah. Uh, first, uh, when I when I join the team, I have to pick uh, almost every position, mm-hmm. and then I consider just win for win first. Mm-hmm. So I try to check Western players. I like a like a non-Korean players, and then I look for Korean players, and then I pick every players, and then I realize we have to learn English, especially mm-hmm. some player has a, a zero experience with English communication, even in game. So uh, maybe starting January, we started uh, scream especially Korean guys, because uh, almost uh, we have almost Korean players, maybe nine or six, uh, sorry, eight players, mm-hmm. plus two uh, two Western guys, like a Logix and Beast. So I try to uh, make uh, players focus to English communication first. Mm-hmm. And then when we arrive Toronto, we, uh, we starting Scream. I mean, we start Scream with the full roster but a uh, problem is uh, until now maybe not comfortable english communication i mean some players but that's fine because the sado and then hisu had a uh, experience with english so mm-hmm. they can lead team but uh, some position uh, they are still struggle but yeah maybe but, you should consider teaching uh, beast and uh, logic some korean <laughs> Oh yeah, actually, uh, uh, Korean players are uh, trying to teaching. Right. Uh, yeah, Korean, some Korean word. So, uh, yeah, out of game, they try to use Korean sometimes. Yeah, that was funny. That's good. We should probably get on that too. <laughs> <laughs> and do you consider, like, in your construction, a lot of uh, like you know podcasters, uh, talent people, they always talk about you know, the flexibility or who is the best player in their position. Do you consider that now going into the season, like what meta is going to play, uh, played out? I know that like before GOATS was a really big thing, but now with like the patches, everything is changing. Do you even consider, okay, Sato can can play a really good Winston. Do we need a substitution for him when it's like, I don't know, Ryan meta? I'm just like bringing up ideas, but do you really consider like, what meta is gonna be? Can you like predict that really in some way? Uh yes. Uh, because I had a screen with the Overwatch League team, uh, I guess uh, two meta right now, like a Ryan or Winston. Probably you can see mm-hmm. probably right. six starting next week. So I guess uh, some team can play maybe uh, Hammond. I mean Wrecking Ball, but right. normally Ryan or Winston probably. And then we had a specific uh, specific rule depends on meta, so I can I can 
I guess everything will be same, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, talking about the meta, you know, it's just one of the, the many challenges as an Overwatch League coach. And from the perspective of a roster construction, um, going into the season and from scrims, you have an experience with what the meta will be. But then yeah. as the game goes on, we see uh, patches that introduce changes to to heroes that then alter the meta. Um, we obviously saw over the course of, of last season, the season previous, the introduction of, of hero pools or sort of the, the role lock that was added. Um, in all of your years as coach, which would you say of those changes is the hardest? And I'm a little bit curious, like, why would that be? And again, it could be patches. It could be the, the hero pools. Um, in my experience, probably uh, first hero ban. Probably that match was uh, versus Paris, mm-hmm. maybe April match, and then in the Washington. Maybe may, my memory is right because uh, first hero ban, and then we don't have the experience with the hero ban. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, any teams, but uh, that time we were chaos because uh, every player, and then even me, like include coaching staff, has a different opinion. Like, like that meta and then uh, so we were struggle because uh, if we play like a comp like a comp then some players not happy because they feel like uh, I'm uh, like useless in this meta so I need to uh, I need to like uh, make a balance because I need to persuade the player but uh yeah that's why maybe at the time we lost and then I realized uh, maybe balance and then i can make every player happy so mm-hmm. some player has to like a sacrifice like a dependent meta yeah yeah um I guess in, in that regard, I mean, a couple seasons ago is a good example where sigma was introduced just before playoffs and yeah. that altered uh how teams obviously approached but when we saw the introduction of new heroes new maps something we won't see i imagine until overwatch 2 um how much lead up do you as a coach have to prepare your team or do you sort of see that announcement just like we do and then have to sort of practice with existing patch while Mm -hmm. also making time for, for new patch and potential shift? Like how does that balance work for, for you as a head coach? Um, first, Oh, I need to check the, uh like op hero first because uh sometimes like a patch make a op hero so we don't have a, a we can't help then meaning is uh, we have to use that hero then mm-hmm. we have to make a balance like a uh, supporting that hero like a fully like a four or three heroes or we can use that hero and then like a how to say like a bait with that hero like a, for mm-hmm. example if if doom beast is op then we can help like a Zarya bubble and then Lucio and then fully dive or we can bait him and then we can I don't know how to explain so spec spec situation but mm-hmm. yeah I need to check the team lineup first because some team has a, a good player about that OP hero but some team doesn't have a confidence about that hero so depends on team situation but mm-hmm. yeah last season uh, like a fusion had a good like a roster lineup and that that was a flexible and then mm-hmm. even we had the chips up so everything yep. was uh easy actually <laughs> i'm curious about that point when you um speak about like having an, a hero that you suddenly want your uh lineup flexing towards or focusing on 
Yeah. Uh, do you get sometimes like resistance from uh, the players or like from from a leadership perspective? How do you manage uh, that side of maybe a, uh, a player who maybe doesn't believe in himself that he can uh, play a certain hero to a good ability, but you believe yeah. he can? How do you manage that? I'm curious. Um, first, uh, I need to, of course, I need to know that players like a personality. Some player, <laughs> even they are bad in the scrim, uh, still have a confidence. I really mm-hmm. like that. But some player, uh, even like a... Sometimes they lost in the scrim, and then even they they like uh, that was his fault. He feel like uh, that my bad, or I feel like uh, I'm not that good. But then uh, like that situation, I always like uh, bring him, and then I I'm gonna like uh, I'm show him like uh, you were mm-hmm. right, and then you do you did well, but like uh, other position or we had a mistake, but you did well. So I always like try to help, especially his confidence. I always believe uh, players has to have uh, like confidence and then like uh, his uh, ability and uh, his potential. So I always uh, share like uh, mm-hmm. or support like that. Yeah, that's great. When when I lose my matches in plot, I'm confident that it's never my fault. <laughs> in, in fairness, down in bronze where I am, there's an equal amount of confidence based on the comments in uh, in game chat after we lose. I didn't know there was. Person. Uh, I didn't know there was chat in down in bronze. <laughs> oh, yeah, there there is. Um, apparently, there are a lot of plat players in in bronze, and they don't understand why they're down there with me. Um, Let's talk a little bit about this upcoming season. So the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans essentially kick off the season together uh, with the first round of the Battle of Canada. Out of curiosity, is there added pressure to beat the Vancouver Titans? I mean, I, I understand you want to beat every team, yeah. but is there sort of from above this this discussion beat Vancouver, please, at all costs? Or is it just a matter of Vancouver's no different than the the Los Angeles Gladiators? Um, of course, we have a, a, lo- uh, a little bit has a pressure to beat the Vancouver, but, mm-hmm. uh, but I think I, we can. To be honest, uh, probably 3-0, so oh, wow. I can't. I can say we're gonna use uh, every player that much. So already <laughs> we have a confidence here. But I have a little bit because I am a head coach, so I have to consider every like a uh, situation. But mm. players has a confidence, so I guess we're gonna win easily. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, there's nothing wrong with confidence. I mean, we're yeah. as a podcast, myself and Omni, we're based here in Vancouver and uh, myself specifically, I've actually grown up, I was born here in Vancouver, grew up with Vancouver. It doesn't matter what the topic happens to be. Vancouver and Toronto seem to compete at everything. Um, yeah. Every sport, every business, uh, we, we compete with the weather. We, we, yeah. we like it's everything. And so, <laughs> I would imagine there, uh, you know, when it comes to, to having confidence, it's important to come in with this this belief that hey, we're gonna we're gonna beat Vancouver, and as you said, we're gonna beat them beat them yeah. well. Um, the uh, is it was there? I guess just sort of a follow up to that, like with Philadelphia or Seoul, was there ever this regional opponent where there was added pressure, or is this sort of new in your experience where you now have this this you know I guess regional expectation? Is that something uh, you've had experience with? 
Uh, yes, a little bit because uh, I lo- I uh, learn a lot of things when I work for Fusion, and then especially like a derby match or like a some team. Like a, even when I work for Fusion, I have to I had to win some teams because like a, for competitive or like a like a nearby. So I mean maybe it's like a New York. I mean that time I mean, when mm-hmm. I work for Fusion, like a. Like a shock that time, but yeah. when I work for uh, right now, I'm work for Toronto Defiant. So I already make a list like a uh, this team we have to win, or this team is like a competitive team like yeah. that. So uh, Vancouver, of course, they are a good team, but of course that is like a derby. Mm-hmm. We are the only two teams of a Canada team, so mm-hmm. I think we have to win. Like yeah, that's my opinion. There's a certain uh, rivalry. Yeah. And I, I guess sort of you had mentioned a list. I mean, you don't have to share it, but I would be uh, remiss to ask. I mean, if beating all teams is a goal, are there some teams that you want to perform extremely well against? Like I, I, I would think that if you had an opportunity to face your old team in the Philadelphia Fusion, you'd like to show well against them or the Soul Dynasty. The complexity of how the season's structured may make that a little harder, but I guess when you go through the schedule, are there matches you circle where you're like, yeah, this is one I'd love to win. Uh, yeah, I already checked the schedule, so I think I guess uh, our schedule is pretty good because uh, we can prepare until maybe June or uh, May or June. So <laughs> uh, until that time, maybe we can be a little bit struggle. But starting that time, uh, we have a, a lot of a uh, match with the competitive competitive teams. So <laughs> probably that starting maybe May or June is really important. So but until that time uh my prediction is maybe win rate maybe 60 or 70 if okay. we can <laughs> that's good the um i guess you know final question sort of on on the season and this is just more to, to get some feedback we last uh, two episodes ago we created our our power rankings which we we joke are powered by science essentially omni and i go through we evaluate where we think teams will will place we share them and the community tells us how wrong we are or how right we might be but this is a sort of an mostly extra wrong yeah. <laughs> people were very upset and that's why i think our power rankings is good yeah okay <laughs> But this is an exercise that that many um, go through with the you know prior to the start of the season. Um, there are some that suggest Toronto are are an underdog. We weren't one of them. We actually had Toronto as as a team that would be very competitive within the overall league. Um, so, would you say that you look at the team as maybe being an underdog because some of these power rankings have you placed, or is it no? We're we're actually going to be really competitive, and people will be very surprised. Um, you mean? Uh, sorry, baby, I don't, I don't understand everything. So, mm-hmm. uh, you mean like a power ranking? Yeah, like in the power okay. ranking, some some have Toronto as sort of a lower tier, and I would say if you're in uh-huh. that lower tier, you'd be considered an underdog. I mean, uh, the Vancouver Titans are we're we're a podcast that covers them. We have them ranked uh-huh. low. Vancouver Titans are an underdog. I mean, yeah. So I'm curious if you would see yourselves as being that underdog. Is that a role uh-huh. you'd like to play? Or would you see see as the defined as being maybe higher tier as we at the podcast uh-huh. at rank them? Uh, I guess maybe middle until now. Okay. Yeah. Scrum Resort is middle. And then I, my, my opinion is the same. 
middle because we were struggle against the top team, but uh, we were pretty good uh, other like accepted that teams. So mm-hmm. middle yeah. on team right now. Would you say after playing in a bunch of scrims, uh, looking at uh, you know what what the community or Reddit or uh, podcasts think? Do you think there are surprises that uh, some teams that people expect to be good might be lower, and some teams that are expected to be really bad might be way better than people think? You don't have to name any teams, but do you think like there will be a lot of surprises this season? Uh yes. Of course, I I can say the team name to be honest. Yeah, uh, it's okay. Yeah, no, no, we uh, we understand that. Uh, so San Francisco Shock is going to be really, really bad, right? Uh, <laughs> I believe Krusty has a skill and an ability. He has yeah. a like a how to say like a wind wind blood. How to, I don't know how to say like a yeah. So yeah, he no. uh, shock can be good, maybe end of the season. But <laughs> I'm not meaning they are bad. I, <laughs> but I think I can say two teams probably. Houston can be good. Mm-hmm. Dallas, Dallas is like I feel like uh, overrated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can say that. Only. Yeah. Which will which will play well in the Battle of Texas uh, when those yeah. two teams oh, uh, that face would be off. A good match. Yeah. Uh, as we look to, to wrap up uh, the segment with the KDG, uh, we have some questions that we ask all of our guests, and they're not at all related to Overwatch. First question, being that you are now up in Toronto, um, have you been introduced to the food dish poutine? Uh, no. No? Um, have you, do you know what poutine is by chance? Uh, maybe I heard one time, maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, make sure if you do try it. I mean, it's it's essentially fries, gravy, and and cheese curds. It's uh-huh. a, a Canadian delicacy. Make sure whomever <laughs> provides it to you uh, gets you good poutine. Not not poutine from like a fast food restaurant. That's not good poutine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, second question. Um, outside of Overwatch, if there was a game that you could say that's my favorite, what would it be? Oh, baby, uh, hero. I mean, a lot of hero. Maybe mm-hmm. not much than other game, but I really like uh, FPS with the uh, hype. Uh, how to say like a uh, not only aim. We don't need to, some hero doesn't need to aim. So mm-hmm. a lot of players, like a lot of people, can join it. So I love that. Cool. Mm-hmm. We always give our guests the uh, last chance. But are there any final words you'd like to share with all of our listeners? Uh, we're gonna maybe this is the first time we can be good. I mean, ever because Toronto Defiant was a uh, maybe not that good uh, starting season two. So, uh, Toronto Defiant fans can be maybe exciting this season. I can say cool. only. <laughs> and I imagine there are a number of our listeners who are happy to to hear you say that. Uh, thanks again for taking time out of your your busy schedule to to join us. Good luck against your match against the the Titans to kick off the season. Uh, we'll be following along, obviously, and uh, good luck with your your second matches. You're uh, one of the few teams that gets two uh, to to start the season in week one. Uh, we're going to take ourselves a short break, and uh, we'll be back with our next segment. There is still more to my tale. So I'm pleased to share our second special guest for our episode previewing the Overwatch 2120 season is Justin Hughes. You might know him as the assistant general manager for the Vancouver Titans. Uh, I know him as the guy on the other side of the screen. Uh, welcome to Ready Set Pwn, Justin. 
Hi. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, good to be in Vancouver as well. Yeah. Should be fun season. Yeah, hopefully it will be. I mean, obviously, when we consider last year compared to this year, there'll be quite a few differences. We'll get into that a, a little bit. Uh, but uh, you, you know, before we hit record, had said that uh, you're you're out of quarantine and you've had the opportunity to do a little bit of exploration of, uh, I presume, downtown Vancouver. I, I don't imagine you're straying too far away from where you're staying. Yeah, it's uh, predominantly uh, looking around the area of around Yale Town and then mm-hmm. a little a little north of maybe Rogers Arena, but kind of just isolated to those areas yeah. is where I'm exploring. Well, it'll be good uh, if and when you and the team get the opportunity to explore a little bit, uh, you know, further abreast. There's obviously beautiful scenery. I'm biased being Vancouver born and raised myself. Uh, but you've got the the North Shore Mountains, obviously all the water. Uh, Vancouver, I often describe as the tropical part of Canada, which in relation to the world may not make sense. But in Canada, the fact that we don't freeze or get snow in the winter is, is already a, a plus. And that's why... Uh, yeah. You know, we're quite green here. It's just, we get rain when everyone else is getting snow. But uh, as uh, our listeners probably can hear, uh, Omni's not here yet to tap out. Uh, he might be able to tap back in uh, in a short bit. But uh, why don't we dive into some of the questions that uh, we wanted to ask you. And the first one actually has to do with last season. Obviously, uh, your uh, joining the Vancouver Titans took place midway through-ish. I mean relative it's probably a little bit before the midway point of the season um but could you briefly describe you know what it was like joining the vancouver titans in the overwatch uh, league mid-season yeah um kind of uh coming on was like uh was pretty stressful mm-hmm. um obviously we were looking to fill quite big shoes but also uh when previously the entire support staff had also left and we were kind of coming in as well. There was a, a lot of just learning that had to happen. Uh, there were certain databases that we didn't know we should have access to or certain processes that we weren't too aware of. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of just uh, uh, messaging a lot of people. I would message uh, a lot of people from Blizzard, people, other GMs kind of see hey, this is the problem I'm experiencing. Is this their solution for this? And normally I'd find out, oh, uh, do you have access to this? I'm like, no, I don't. So uh, uh, that was maybe the first two or three weeks. And then uh, after that, um, which I would call maybe the settling in period, uh, things were a bit more smooth. But, of course, uh, coming in midseason is obviously just going to be a stressful experience. So... That entire season was inherently stressful, but mm-hmm. uh, that really after those first three or four weeks was uh, much smoother. Yeah, and you know, considering that you came in sort of midway through a season, you didn't have a what we would consider an off season to go and put together a roster. Um, and I imagine it happened quite quickly. Um, was it more a consideration of who might be available and who might work well? I know you had, you know, a number of, of players that, that came with you from second win, but you also had to sort of supplement that. Um, you know, what was the process behind that? Was it sort of a quick evaluation that you and the coaches performed or how did you sort of come to, here's the, the group we're going to run with and uh, let's see if we can make it work. Yeah, there was actually a, it was these, uh, our last season, 
Uh, we had actually also approached a few players from uh, other contenders teams, but uh, oddly enough, they were also already sporting offers from other L teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you recall during that time period, but at the same time we were picked up, quite a few other contenders teams also got quite a few people picked up as well, all in the span of maybe a few weeks. And mm-hmm. those negotiations were already going on. So uh, it wasn't necessarily even just who was the best of contenders at the time, which, of course, uh, we I think we did fairly well for how last minute the roster was. But uh, obviously there were a lot of things going on behind the scenes on why people questioned, like, hey, why are certain uh players not picked up well we did talk to them mm-hmm. but it's like but when it came down to it uh we weren't the only ones talking to them yeah so it's just uh it was a very odd time because while we were building because you'd think a mid- mid-season roster everyone in contenders is on the table but ever like i think so so many so many al teams were looking at contenders players at the same time for some reason but it was interesting yeah and you know, considering how the, the season wrapped up, I mean, arguably, I think people would say that you came into a tough situation and uh, the team, you know, it, it quit itself well. Like, we saw very competitive matches, especially the, the Battle of Canada, which, um, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, down the road, but it came down to ultimately the last map. It, it could have gone either way. And I imagine you would have loved to have had that badge of honor to have said, oh, we mm-hmm. came to the league and we, we beat the Toronto Defiant early on. I, we had a, an opportunity to speak to Adam Adamu shortly after that match. And he had shared how for the Toronto Defiant, it was a, we, we must win. Like there's no conversation about any other alternative. So taking them to Matt five, not only provided a very entertaining uh, experience, but Obviously, it, there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, emphasis in that match. So, yeah, you know, could you you know talk about these highs that you experienced? I imagine there were some lows too, but like you know, the fact that the Boston Uprising had no chance against the Vancouver Titans. <laughs> um, it was actually uh, interesting because we had a lot of uh, basically no one wanted to lose to us. We, mm-hmm. we were the one team you didn't want to lose to because we were coming in midseason, full new roster. We had never practiced before, and if you if you lost to us, that was just kind of, and that was unfortunate for you. Yeah. But <laughs> so um, we had a lot of uh, obviously Toronto was unfortunate because I, I believe uh, I could be wrong, but I think we took them to map five. You maybe did twice. Yeah, yeah. The, it was always a competitive fight. In fact, that first one, um, I mean, had it not been for Kareev deciding. Yeah, I don't want to lose to this team. And it was obviously a team effort, but Kareev just suddenly took over and, and, and dominated. Um, but it, it was that was the thing that I think we started to see these signs of of uh, almost team cohesion. Things were coming together. And to yeah. your point, I mean, you came in mid-season on ping. Like there, there really yeah. wasn't anyone who was in the same place, save for maybe a couple people in the U.S., a couple people in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When uh but I think uh really early on was just a pure hey, our our players are actually just mechanically better than yours. Like 
sure, you've been playing for a few months, but our players are just better. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the month after was when we started to really come together in uh, Arisa Sigma. Uh, I think it was Arisa Sigma, Ash Tracer, Brig, Zen. But um, during that meta was uh, when we really tried to, when we really started to like function as a team. And that kind of showed with us taking a win off of Dallas as well as Boston. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, when it came to that next month, when Genji came in, uh, that, that caught me for a surprise because yeah. uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I signed three hit scans. For and I, 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 when I brought in Shockwave, I knew he had a he had a Doomfist Neko, and we thought Echo was just extremely OP. Yep. What I, and then when I thought this was my legitimate thinking thought process with uh, Genji and Farah, these two heroes haven't been meta in years, <laughs> <laughs> and we were looking at them and we were like, I'm never gonna worry about these. Yeah. And then lo and behold, uh, <laughs> Blizzard, uh, Blizzard decided it was time. Yeah, <laughs> it was, and. Uh, when you are making a last minute roster, those are the kind of like thought processes that mm-hmm. come through your head where it's like, do I really need to worry about Genji Farah? And turns out I did, but I didn't think I had to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that month was obviously bad for us. And then, uh, gosh, I don't even remember the meta following that. But um, I think that that meta where we did have that Ash Tracer and everyone was just on their comfort picks. I think we had the most competitive matches and it was just it it really highlighted that we're able to function as a team in very select metas at the time just because we weren't a very uh, we weren't a very robust roster at the mm-hmm. time but uh I think that roster actually had quite a bit of potential given time and maybe a, a little bit of tweaking yeah. which hopefully we've hit on this year well, I mean, we consider how the, the season went and, and ended and then over the course of the off season, we've, we've seen some changes. I mean, the three players that are returning are Rolf Dalton, as well as Shredlock. Um, Rolf actually uh, joined us on a, on a show last year and um, myself, Omni, and then our former coach, Sam, we actually commented on how um, he, he occurred to us to be sort of that player coach or that, that sort of leader persona. Now that we obviously had one conversation with him, but is, does that play into sort of where you look at him and Dalton and Treadlock, or is it just sort of, we identified these three as being a real good core to work with and then move forward? Um, there were a lot of things that kind of went into our decisions, some of which I, I don't really want to get too hard into because I don't sure. want to talk about why I didn't pick up some players and why I did retain some. Um, I think everyone from last season was fantastic in their own right, in their own, if, if maybe in the right team that everyone could possibly succeed. Mm-hmm. But uh, obviously some we didn't decide to move on with. But when it came to uh, Dalton and Shred, it was largely just a mechanical thing where um, they specifically were just mechanically better than the other tryouts. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like... Uh, sorry, I should probably preface with the fact that they, they everyone everyone did retry out for their for their position. So sure. uh, when they when they tried out against other people, we just kind of decided they're just better. Mm-hmm. There's no question. It's just we'll 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 take them again. And then uh, Rolf again uh, also tried out for his position and as also stronger mechanically than the other players that we were looking at. 
But uh, as for the question you were relating to earlier in terms of leadership, it wasn't, I don't know that uh, that is necessarily the role that I see him as. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people like to dog on him on uh, social media, but when it came down to it in tryouts, he, he was just our best tryout. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, that, that, that so much didn't really factor in. Um, although someone who has kind of taken over at what I perceive as like a leader in a way, in terms of just like review and just playing the game, I think has been really linkser. If anyone, okay, he's been uh, really good for the team in a lot of ways. I think he's a good leader for the team. He uh, has a lot of like he, he's very good about how you play the game and just the thought process he brings into it is very good. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, sort of using that as a segue, we know that uh, Fire and Fried Wiener and, and Linkser as well as Taru are your new additions. And the fact that I can say Fried Wiener now uh, just feels <laughs> right. But I'm just sort of curious, like over the course of the off season, were there particular areas you, you prioritized over others? I'm not necessarily suggesting we prioritize this particular person, but maybe was there a role? And I guess, you know, this sort of ties back to that earlier comment where you said, well, I kind of identified maybe Genji Farah's not being too important. And then suddenly, Hey, look what we're going to do with a couple patches. Yeah. So the biggest concern for us this season, obviously, because Genji kind of uh, did a little number on us was the uh, wide hero pools. Mm -hmm. Um, We needed to be as meta proof as possible. And well, one specific person is, uh, fire who excels at a number of heroes uh he can play pretty much anything from the support side of things i believe on the atlanta squad he also played uh i think he i think he also tried uh on the atlanta b team he was also playing some flex support heroes as well so mm-hmm. it, he's quite robust in terms of what his uh hero uh is hero pool is uh, that kind of also actually legitimately applies to all of our players, but I honestly to essentially every player in the league this year, you don't have too many specialists. Everyone in the league is you fill a role and you better know it, or you probably weren't picked up again. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think with Fried, we were looking for. Well, we knew what we were lacking last year was an in-game leader, very much so. Mm-hmm. So we knew we needed that this year. So uh, we ended up picking up Fried with that mentality. And just because he is a pretty aggressive player and he does vocalize that very well. And we were looking – and we thought that was a great trait along with him just being uh, just mechanically good. But uh, I'd say – it wasn't really prioritizing a role per se, as much mm-hmm. as we were prioritizing certain figures in our, uh, uh, I, get, I don't know how to describe this, certain pillars in our uh, uh, team setting where we needed a leader, yeah. we needed someone, yeah. Okay. But, well, the, I guess sort of to, to follow up with this, um, and I'm, I'm big into traditional sports. In fact, uh, yeah, obviously that's what I grew up with. I'm, I'm a little outside. I think the Overwatch League uh, demographic, 
But uh, when it comes to traditional sports and roster uh, composition, there's this sort of argument. Is it best player available or is it best player within a team or best player within a construct? So were there players that you trialed where you could say, yeah, that that player might have been best available, but didn't maybe fit within what we were looking to build? Or was it more going into it? It was just truly, yeah, we wanted to find the player that fit these pillars um, that you had sort of uh, suggested. Um, well, it wasn't necessarily just going and finding these like pillars. It was you. You of, of course need to fit the first gate of are you even good enough, mm-hmm. and then after that was are you do you fit these sort of aspects that we actually need in the roster. Yeah. But as for were there straight up mechanical nuts in tryouts? Of course, there. There. I mean, there always are. But yeah. uh, the biggest offender of them is. They don't talk. A lot of them don't speak, and it's a team game. Yeah. Um. They there's really two that come to mind, but um, they're just very, very, very quiet players. And uh, sure, you could say that maybe they, maybe their mechanics bring something to the roster. Mm-hmm. But is that minor drop off from? whoever it is to uh, this next player, does that make up for the fact that they don't communicate? Probably not. Because sure, maybe you hit your shots, but do you function in the team? I'd wager most likely no. So it's really, yes, you'll have those players, but until they really learn how to function in a team setting and communicate, which normally happens in contenders, uh, it's, it's just not feasible to pick them up. The um, roster that you've sort of put together uh, obviously has to deal with changes in the meta, and this is going to happen. Um, I can't imagine uh, we won't see patches roll out and shifts. And you sort of, again, you addressed it earlier where a a shift in meta can actually drastically impact a team. I, I understand from the perspective of Overwatch League, it's a little bit different, but even with your time in Second Win, like, how is it that you sort of deal with that? You obviously can't ignore a shift in meta, but a, a conversation that we've had on our show is that isn't there also an argument to suggest you still play to your strengths, whether it's meta or not? Um, for instance, one of the struggles that we often saw in that Genji meta the last season with the Vancouver Titans is it didn't look like anyone was truly comfortable and not being that comfortable we then mm-hmm. sort of saw that sort of cascade of things falling apart. And the suggestion is, well, if you play those comfort picks, while they might not be perfect, you at least know how to approach and it may fail, but it's almost in my mind, you have a better chance of success in that regard. So I'm just curious, like how, how do you as a GM or how do the sort of the team approach these shifts in meta, you know, patch after patch? Um, I guess, well, right now we're kind of in a, meta where people are kind of playing different stuff so Mm -hmm. that kind of leans into your idea of just you play what you're comfortable with but um i think it just depends on how strong a given meta particularly is Mm -hmm. because uh if you're in goats meta and there wasn't much flexibility but and kind of going off of that when you're talking uh Last year's Genji meta, Genji was just a very strong hero. Yeah. But th- right now, it's uh, there's 
several metas where uh, people are people can kind of get away with playing a few different things just because there's nothing that's overwhelmingly in your face, overwhelmingly like I guess uh, it's just not very OP. Mm-hmm. But uh, so you can get away with a few things. I think uh, the flexibility and comfort picks comes in when we are in the stage of like. Uh, hey, it's uh, not that strong. We can just play this. Or if you just have a disgusting player on said hero and it's maybe it's Sombra, in which case, hey, maybe you can try getting away with that on every single map. Yeah. But uh, I, I, it, it's far more... The breaking away from meta, I think, is just predominantly when, when things aren't too OP, which... Mm-hmm. It's kind of this way right now. Yeah. Well, before we sort of talk about uh, this weekend and in the upcoming season, I actually had a question um, for you as to sort of your role as an assistant general manager and, and how it compares to that of, of let's say, the the coaching staff uh, with Pew and, and Fluffy. Like, are you sort of three collaboratively talking about everything or is sort of their role delineation where you sort of focus your your eyes on a particular aspect of the organization? Like, is it more, uh, I'm just going to like business focused as opposed to like, you know, player personnel. Like I, again, I I come from the traditional sports. So like in the context of the Vancouver Canucks, um, a general manager will have a number of people all focused. Like there's always the capologist, the the person doing the, the contracts, the money management, you've got your player personnel directors and all of that. Obviously, much smaller staff in context of of yourself, the Vancouver Titans. So, like, how does how does that dynamic work? Um, uh, Pew and Flubby handle majority of the coaching. If I have my own opinion on something, I'll normally filter it through them. I'll tell them. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to scouting, um, that's honestly predominantly me and Pew, where Pew has a wide knowledge of who is and isn't viable. And then they'll kind of filter through all three of us. Mm -hmm. And then I'll kind of make the final decision on that end. Um, But I don't, I don't, well, I guess I am sort of, I'm probably more involved in the coaching end than probably other GMs. Uh, But predominantly outside of just the, I liaison with Blizzard. I manage everyone's schedules, blah, 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 blah. My, Mm -hmm. I guess biggest role is something probably wouldn't have thought of I'm the data analyst for the team. Oh, okay. So, uh, I don't think I've ever told anyone that, but <laughs> that, Break, that is breaking news. Um, but, uh, that's, I wouldn't call it my primary function, but it's probably where I do a lot of my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how we delineate predominantly. They do coaching. I'll do data analyst work. And then yeah. if I have an opinion, I'll let them know. Okay. Well, let's, let's dive into this upcoming season. So the Vancouver Titans are going to kick off their season, taking on the team out East, the Toronto Defiant in the first of what we know of two battles of Canada. Uh, We talked a little bit about how they were entertaining matches last season. And I would imagine the hope is that uh, you set a a strong tone uh, going into this weekend. Mm -hmm. Now I have to ask, of all the teams that you play, I imagine you want to beat them all, but is there added pressure to beat the Defiant? Um, well, just because we're all foreigners, I, I would say that uh, 
Defiant specifically, that that feud doesn't exist for us from that end, mm-hmm. but we also did not like losing map five twice. Yeah. So that is kind of where it comes for us, where we don't want to lose again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say it's more so that it's the first match of the season that we definitely want to win, mm-hmm. as opposed to it specifically being Toronto. I think there are other teams that we're looking to that we definitely want to really hit. Uh, although you'll probably get different opinions on who from each player on who, sure. who that'll be. But as for Toronto, I think it's mainly that it's the first first game of the season that we really want to hit a good note. Okay. As well as just recovering from last season on our two losses against them. Yeah, no, and I, I hear you on that. I, again, as a Vancouverite, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if anyone has expressed this, but um, there is this feeling in Canada that uh, you want to beat your sort of regional rivalry. So if you're in Alberta, Edmonton, mm-hmm. and Calgary, sort of a thing um, in the sort of Prairie Provinces, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, I mean, that happens too. But it doesn't matter who you're playing. If it's Toronto, you want to beat them. No one seems to like Toronto, and Toronto plays like, you know, we're the center of the universe. So, or not plays, but I mean, just as I say, there's just this sort of Canadian uh, thing about it. So I was just curious if, if, you know, for yourselves, if there was that added pressure, but I guess to follow that up, I mean, if we do think that we want to beat all the teams, you'd sort of mention that there are some teams you might have decided, yeah, we'd like to take one off them. Like, are there, are there teams that you've looked at the schedule that you've maybe circled saying, let's make sure we, we, we look to get a win here or make it darn close? Yeah. Um, well, obviously just our former players. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Shockwave uh, ran away to Korea. Yeah. But um, he's afraid. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for now, we'll uh, we'll have Suna next week. And that, yeah. that's, uh, that's a big one we'll want to take with us. I know all of the uh, the former Atlanta boys will, are look, will probably be looking forward to the Atlanta match. Yeah. But the one I'm, uh, I I've, I know we've uh, never dropped a map to Boston. I'm looking to uh, hopefully keep up that streak. Yeah, but we'll see. The uh, well, I can assure you that uh, at least the community on the the Boston Uprising side, or the ones I speak to through one of the uh, their podcasts, there uh, they've circled the Vancouver Titans, and I think it's sort of <laughs> similar to how you're feeling as well. You know, Toronto took us to map five. The Uprising, are like we want to beat the Titans because we need to um you know one of the things that 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 we did a, a couple of weeks back is is we created our, our very own power rankings omni and i we we suggest their power rankings where we use science to, to pick them which makes ours better than anyone else's um that m- might be hyperbole but we run with it mm-hmm. one of the things i find with the community is that especially this season there's a lot of variability i mean there's sort of our some clear contenders, but that's because they're always at the sort of the top of the table. And there are those that maybe are being consistently ranked a little bit lower And the Vancouver Titans, even on our power rankings are coming low. Yeah. I mean, it's, is that a role where you're like, yeah, we're the underdog and we're going to use that to, to surprise a few, or is that like, we're not, we shouldn't be there and it's more a chip on our shoulder. I think, uh, getting consistently ranked low has, uh, really gotten like motivation into the players is what mm-hmm. I'm looking for. They they're they're motivated to prove people wrong and I think we're ready to do that, honestly. Okay. I think uh we're we shouldn't be as low as we're we're ranked right now, but yeah. 
I've seen a, I've seen a lot of the power rankings, and to your point, yeah, they're, they're uh, along with I think I think there are a few that are misplaced in general, but yeah, uh, well, they a lot of them seem to play off of each other as opposed to yeah. Well, and I mean for us, I mean we we disclose when it comes to the power of science, it is truly us evaluating what it is we've seen, what it is we've know, and yeah. and you know. Using the the scientifically powered dart at a dartboard, um, we don't have access to obviously the results of scrims. And uh, I think Bree had actually shared how the approach to scrims team by team can vary. It could be just trying out a certain tactic and um, mm-hmm. looking to to accomplish something different. But if you were to go and sort of take what it is that you know, uh, do you feel that there are going to be a number of surprises that people might uh, foresee where teams that might have been ranked a little bit higher might fall or those that are ranked lower that might move up? Or is there definitive sort of tiers in, in the league where you have your your contenders, your competitors, and your, well, we hope to to make a run at it? Well, um And I'm not looking for you to name specific teams. I completely respect that. It's just more uh, just... You know how shocked will we be? I actually don't mind. I actually don't mind naming specific teams, but um, I guess uh, I guess I don't know too many of the power rankings just because I always look at us at last place. I'm like, I'm ready to prove that wrong, but I don't. I don't generally look too much into the uh, other places. But I I have heard that some people have been rating Houston low, and I, I think they're. Probably rated too low. Mm-hmm. They've been performing quite well. I think everyone has kind of reiterated that. That's kind of talked about them. They're 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 honestly better than a lot of people expect. Yeah. Um. But just because I don't I don't look too specifically at everyone's power rankings, uh, I can't speak to too many. Mm-hmm. I think Atlanta. I think Atlanta and Houston are probably the ones that I see that are that could probably be higher. And then, of course, there's just glass that's at the top. Yeah, but okay, that's uh, that's probably the extent of it. Yeah. And I guess there are one final question. It's not even really related to the, the Titans per se, but it's come up, and and that's because we've seen um, as the season's approaching some some roster changes, and, and one of them that that happened recently was uh, soon, unfortunately, not to being able to, to to keep his role with the uprising. In his, his twit longer, he had suggested that uh, some of the reason behind it had to do with him essentially playing on ping outside of, of NA. And I know Teru, for instance, he's even shared on the stream, he's going to be playing outside of, of Kenny. He hasn't been able to, to arrive yet. So do you know of any rule in the league that prevents that? Like, I, I it would be new to us because last year, I mean, the bulk of the Titans played on ping. We had players yeah. outside of NA. Yeah, for us specifically, uh, Teru will be allowed to play on ping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not too sure on the specifics on Soon's situation. I'm personally not. Uh, I don't want to make. I don't want to make too much of a comment just because I don't know uh, yeah. the specifics on it. But uh, as far as I know, uh, it should be fine. But like I said, I don't want to. Yeah. To our, but that's predominantly for us in our specific situation. Yeah. So I mean, it's safe to say, like, there, if Teru slots in this weekend, you would you would know if he couldn't. I would presume. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, a couple of questions I ask all of our guests, especially those that uh, are are sort of new to the podcast, but in this case, new to Canada. Uh, you've been here for uh, a while now. Have you had poutine? I've not. I've actually been wondering uh, where I should grab it because I, I was. 
at McDonald's the other day, and I was like, oh, oh. I could try the poutine here, but I feel like I shouldn't. That shouldn't be my first experience. <laughs> no, no. So. <laughs> I mean, okay, there are some that are going to tell you that some of the fast food poutine options are okay, but if you're gonna if you're gonna do it for the first time, I have to concede I don't know if they're still open, uh, but Fritz which is uh, in downtown, uh, mm-hmm. has some of the, the best uh, poutine. Um, and you know what? I, if you were to ask in in uh, Titan's Cord, I would imagine there's a number of foodies uh, that will tell you where you can find poutine. Um, in fact, anytime poutine gets brought up, uh, someone at some point is going to suggest Shredlock hates it, and then he gets picked on because, <laughs> you know, he hates poutine apparently, and that's that's an insult. Um the uh, the other question, uh, what's your favorite video game of all time, other than Overwatch? Other than Overwatch? <laughs> oh. Um, probably Star Wars Battlefront 2, the one from 2005. Okay. Is, is that more the combination of the gameplay as well as sort of the, the Star Wars aspect, or is it more one than the other? Um. It was my first online game, and I just sunk a lot of hours into it. I sunk like several, I sunk several thousand hours into that game, mm-hmm. and I was a, uh, I was pretty good at it, but uh, didn't have much of a scene, unfortunately. Yeah, I would have been the best, would have been the best in the scene, <laughs> personally. But uh, yeah, definitely my favorite game. Okay, well, it's uh, it's good to know if if and when we have a community game night and, and Star Wars Battlefront Two is on the on the menu, <laughs> we'll expect that uh, you'll be there. Um, again, you know, thanks, Justin, for for taking time out of your schedule to talk to us here. Um, obviously, we wish you really well as you kick off the season against the Defiant uh, and uh, as we go into the the twenty twenty one season. Um, any final words that you want to share with uh, the listeners before uh, we take a quick break? Uh, nothing too much. Uh, Obviously, thanks to everyone who came and listened, and uh, we hope to uh, show you what we've got this coming weekend. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. As I said, we'll take a quick break before we dive into the fray. As we get into the fray, first and foremost, thank you, KDG. Thank you, Justin, for joining us. Hopefully you, our listeners, uh, get some context and insight that uh, otherwise might not have been uh, uh, gathered elsewhere. I think they were they were pretty cool interviews. I still can't get over the fact that KDG just straight up says, yeah, we're going to three out of the Vancouver Titans. <laughs> like, uh, and and in, in fairness, just to sort of provide some transparency here, KDG was the first interview. And uh, we could have taken what KDG had said and then shared it with Justin. We elected not to, uh, at least during the course of the conversation, because we wanted that genuine response. And it's interesting that sort of Justin's take on this matchup is that, no, we look to beat them. Like, we want to be competitive. It's the first match of the season. And we kind of don't feel right after, you know, the losses we had last year. But not like this bold, yeah, we're going to go and we're going to beat them. Yeah, you don't want to mess with... uh you know, the Korean professionals in esports. We remember that from early season two. They're not here to play nice. They're here to just, you know, kick butt and take names while at it. So, yeah. It's all but good. It, 
it was a great conversation and hopefully mm-hmm. we'll be able to get uh, both of them back on to uh, the show uh, a little bit later in the season. Obviously they'll be busy. Sure. So it's we'll great, work around their schedule. Great to have people on this podcast to actually know what they're talking about. Well, well, wait, are you suggesting I don't know what I'm talking about? No, you said that. That's true because it's true. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I presumed you knew what you were talking about. Ah. Uh, you know, uh, even a broken clock, it's, you know. Right, the right gr- twice a day? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit of what's going on in the Overwatch League, though, because there is additional changes. I mean, I get that there there obviously would be. Um, it's just interesting that they're happening sort of as late in the game as they are. Uh, the first one is the Atlanta Reign added under as an assistant coach. That doesn't directly impact, um, obviously, the playing roster and so much as mm-hmm. who's going to go and, and appear, but it does impact how the, the roster is coached and by all accounts, Unter is very good at uh, at that job, made available based on what happened uh, earlier in the off season. The Philadelphia Fusion have added both Hotba and Toby, and this I think has to do with the fact that uh, they announced, and we shared on our last episode, that they're still dealing with the visa issues for for some of their players. Uh, and then uh, just before we we hit record uh, this evening, Exe uh, announced uh, this morning that he is retiring. Mm from owl due to health reasons. Um, now he, he did share that that retirement is not permanent, that he may return. It could be as early as, as this season, mm-hmm. which that would be cool if it was, but again, I, when it comes to the health and well being of players, um, the fact that he's, he's taking this opportunity to, to help himself heal, I'm a hundred percent behind that. I mean, I would, I would be a hundred percent behind any player or anyone involved who needs to make sure that they're healthy. Cause at the end of the day, it is, is just a video. I know it's competitive and I know it's a serious experience and a serious event, but it's just a video game. Life is bigger than that. Yeah. Regardless of what, whatever job you're doing, like, you know, even, even in like traditional sports and so, like whenever things get serious with your health, that's when you you know need to take a rest, reevaluate, and uh, uh, just taking a note on this uh, particular situation with Exe. Like when I read the announcement, I went, uh, "Oh, here we go again with the fuel uh, players released. Maybe something is going on." But then I saw that it's for medical reasons, and I got mm-hmm. kind of sad for Exe. And then I watched the video, and I felt even worse because you know how he spoke about it and, and you know he, he listed his issues and all that you yeah. could see how genuinely hard it was for him to take a step back from competing he's a very good player i really enjoyed watching him last season one of my favorite rookies uh so i'm i'm rooting for him to come back as soon as possible healthy and then rejuvenated and you know happy with whatever next step he he takes for that other uh um story about um philadelphia we did discuss that and to exhaustion and how how sad it is that like some players have this uh visa hurdle to to pass and despite their moves being last minute i think they signed two if not amazing very formidable and experienced players will be very you know they've been through the trenches so Mm -hmm. to speak so you can just plug them in i'm sure uh and and toby will perform and one could argue that if they were to sort out the visa issues, that you have a Philadelphia fusion who now has a bench just as strong as someone like the sure. San Francisco Shock. Right? Oh, like, that's maybe too much, but uh, mm-hmm. a good bench. 
Yeah, definitely a good bench. Uh, well, at least a bench that can beat other teams' starting lineup. Yeah, that that might be the case. Yeah. Um, Al Talon has also been confirmed. Uh, you know, prior to the start of the season, we already talked about this in the last episode. Yeah. But just nothing to new you, there, right? Yeah, Desk is Zoe, Custa, Reinforce, and Danny, and then caster pairs are uh, Bren, Sideshow, Jaws, Vicky, Kitty, Achilles, Avril, uh, P, Doa, and uh, Uber, and Mister X. Hex is a producer, so he's not in the casting or broadcast side, or at least camera facing, but that's not to suggest that doesn't uh, change over the course of the season or an opportunity doesn't uh, present itself to to reintroduce him. So let's get into the actual schedule itself. Uh, Kicking things off on Friday afternoon, which I'll be honest, kind of not fun, but it is what it is. Hey, Um, how, how early do they start? Well, so this is the thing is the matches themselves start at uh, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 oh, p.m. Wow. Eastern on a Friday, which again, for those of you who <laughs> are still working, well, you probably yep. are working from home and it's something you can put on. It makes it a little more complex. Uh, but the Battle of Texas kicks things off. Uh, Houston is facing off against Dallas at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Friday. And then following that match is the uh, Los Angeles Gladiators and San Francisco Shock, a oh, match that you have suggested is the one to watch. And I have to agree as much as the battle of Texas is obviously a compelling fight. Um, I truly want to see how the shock perform against the gladiators word on the street. The glads are a stronger team. Yeah. And there are some who are suggesting the shock may have fallen a little bit. Mm. Yeah, they might be full. Who knows? Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy, uh, crazy little start. We got there on Friday. Like even Houston against Dallas is like an, I don't know, uh, an eight out of 10, but like LA glads and San Francisco is a 10 out of 10 for me. we got to watch this. Yeah. And then uh, Saturday in the wee hours of the morning, whether you're on the West coast or the East coast uh, is the Guangzhou charge uh, versus the uh, Shanghai dragons at 2 a.m. Pacific 5 a.m. Eastern followed by the Los Angeles valiant losing to the Chengdu hunters. (laughs) And then you have the Philadelphia fusion taking on the soul dynasty. If you happen to want to see one of those matches as an encore at 9 30 a.m. Pacific 12 30 p.m. Eastern, the Philadelphia fusion and soul dynasty will have an encore, which is not a second match. They're just replaying the the stream for those of us in, uh, in North America. Uh, and then continuing Saturday on, as we already talked about, the Toronto Defiant take on the Vancouver Titans at 1.30 p.m. Pacific at 4.30 p.m. Eastern are the Atlanta Reign and the Florida Mayhem, followed by the Dallas Fuel, the Los Angeles Gladiators. Uh, into the wee hours of the morning, 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern, the Guangzhou Charge take on the Seoul Dynasty. The Chengdu Hunters take on the Shanghai Dragons. And the Philadelphia Fusion have their way with the Los Angeles Valiant, which also is the encore match. And quite frankly, I'm not entirely sure why. Um, Sunday then wraps up at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern with the Houston Outlaws taking on the San Francisco Shock. And as we've already discussed, the Florida Mayhem, Vancouver Titans, the Toronto Defiant, and the Atlanta Reign. Um, you've actually suggested the Soul Dynasty Philadelphia Fusion match is the, is the match to watch on, uh, on Saturday, as well as the Dallas LA Gladiators. I'll agree with the Fuel Glads. Um, I'm... <sighs> You know what? If I'm going to watch a tire fire, I think I want to watch the Valiant versus the Hunters. Oh, okay. That is definitely justified. If that's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, is it really a tire fire when the Fusion take on the Valiant? Like, I don't think so. That's like, like 
they're just going to mercy them. Is there a mercy rule in Overwatch League? Because that's probably the match where we'll uh, expect that there be one. You could probably pick mercy and play mercy. True. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, who knows? Maybe the Valiant are a much better team yeah. uh, than than any of us know. In fact, uh, the Overwatch League has introduced power rankings powered with IBM Watson, which is essentially machine learning, AI. And it takes uh, a variety of statistics like player impact rating, team fight rates, and what have you. And it puts together power rankings that currently, prior to the start of the season, had the LA Valiant mid-table. <laughs> which makes no sense like that has to be completely based on last season's performance yeah well they don't have data for these players probably as of yet sure and i i, I guess that that does make sense but they've already started putting player scores together yeah so part of me wonders how is it that you have player scores whether they're you know they've had performance in the league or not but then you have data telling you the la valiant with players that have no score ish um are, are 15. So after the first weekend, that's going to drastically alter. Um, but uh, at least the Overwatch League can actually claim their power rankings are powered by science. What do you Just mean? like ours. Oh, exactly. I thought you were about to say that they're, they're using science and we're not. We should, you know what? Our power rankings should be powered with RSP, I don't know, SAM. That's what we'll name our, our machine learning. We're Sherlock. Yeah. Like Watson is like the, you know, the oh, weaker RS- version. RSP Sherlock. There yeah. like, that's we need to rebrand the power rankings. <laughs> really upset the people in Europe again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh just again for our listeners. We we enjoy the exercise of going through the power rankings, just like others do, but yeah. we don't take ourselves so seriously. There are some who are yeah, I don't think like Europeans should be very that upset with us uh, Americans here. It's one of our favorite countries. Oh, okay, first and <laughs> foremost, that that almost that, that now you've now you've upset the Canadians and like, I've upset everyone. That's uh, uh, that, that, it's good content, right? I think. Yeah, true, true that, true that. Um, but more seriously, back into the Overwatch League, Fearless uh, shared. Um, essentially some stories around the racism that he and his team have faced and experienced in Dallas. Now, having read about it and then read an article actually that RSP's uh, Michael G had contributed to about the racism he faces and his face, like he, he is here in, in Vancouver and he himself has, has seen um, sort of racist attitudes, you know, throughout his life, but even more so now in, in the, the pandemic it's not something that I, and I am sure many of you, our listeners would stand for, but it's important to understand that what's being shared about their experience in Dallas is unfortunately not restricted to just Dallas. And one of the things that, that really struck me about this is that there are some who simply discount this as it's, it might not be that bad or I've never seen it. Right. But I'm sorry that, that's wrong. It is like, bad. That's um, a bad take. It, it, and it, and then there's those that say, well, you know, it's not me because, you know, I have a, you, the moment you say it's not me because I have a such and such friend, trust me, the fact that you feel that you have to go and tell someone that suggests otherwise. And, and then there are those that are like, well, I don't say anything. Well, okay. Silence is problematic in itself. Like if you see anyone, Yes. It needs to be dealt with. And I, I talk about this in the context of, of the game we play, like Overwatch. Yes. The amount of times I see conversations in chat, I report 
anything and everything. I'm actually kind of curious if that then flags my account, potentially introducing false reports, but it's not something I tolerate. Like it does has no basis in the game, racism, sexism, misogyny, um, none of that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say how we spoke about this. Uh, I think two episodes ago about the, the women in gaming panel mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's the same thing. You gotta be a voice against such abhorrent behavior. Cause unfortunately when the pipes burst, you know, what floats up and then these people, they should not be like your silence is, is not, not helping the situation. All right. If you hear something like this, I'm not saying like, okay, go and, uh, you know, be violent about this, but you got to speak up. This is something that like, uh, should not be correlated ever anywhere. Okay. Mm. So I completely agree with whatever you say. Yeah. The, there was an incident in uh, the Call of Duty League um, that uh, that took place. A, a Toronto Ultra player had uh, shared a, a derogatory term uh, publicly, and the Ultra dealt with it. Uh, they explained to the player that what uh, he had said um, was not at all um, copacetic and uh, had uh, outlined quite publicly that uh, the player would uh, proceed to go through sensitivity training and ultimately educate himself on why what he said was wrong. And I hate to say it, but there were so many in the Call of Duty scene, like influencers, people who young kids look up to whose response was to make light of this situation simply because the word that was used is somehow acceptable. Like the focus on, on age being a problem. Oh, like the okay boomer. I'm sorry. If, if that word is accept acceptable, like how I, I can't understand it. Like it, it devalues women. Yeah. Like, and it's when people yeah. say, well, it's not that bad. Oh, it's part of the vernacular, you know, in this particular scene or this particular, that doesn't matter. That doesn't make it okay. Like we know what words are permitted. I mean, ultimately, I think many of us understand there is a long list of words and phrases and, and sayings that carry with it a significant impact and significant effect. Words can hurt. And I actually had the opportunity to, uh, to speak to a, a former professional hockey player, Brock McGillis on my, my Vancouver Canucks podcast. And he talked about how many of these words, they hurt deep. It's, they're just words. And we think, oh, words don't hurt. No, they do because they go to the core of a person. And while we might not think that, well, what we're saying has impact because we didn't mean anything by it. We didn't intend on it being a problem. The fact that we said it means that we're okay, that it might hurt someone or it might have deep meaning or leave scars or potentially devalue someone. And I'm sorry, that does not belong in the gaming scene. It should not be okay. And I'm, and I, I, I genuinely mean this. If you as one of our listeners know what I'm talking about and disagree with me, fine. Disagree with me. Stop listening to our podcast. That's, that's how passionate I am about the situation. You know what? And I'm, I, I obviously can't force you to stop listening, but the point is that 
we can, as a, as an influencer ourselves, set the standards, set the tone that others can aspire to do. And I encourage you, if you see us say something, call us on it. I don't think Omni or myself may intend on our words hurting, but if we don't get called on it, we're simply propagating an issue. And it's important that we be called on it. And that's not just us. If you see something, say something. And I I appreciate that not everyone's in a position that they feel comfortable doing so. Okay. But is it possible that there is another approach that we can take? Like, could we go and if it's directed at someone, um, support the person that it was directed to, like be a true ally? I mean, to your point, there's no need to get violent about it. Um, There's no need to start, you know, calling, you know, using derogatory language in response to, like, it doesn't, it's like throwing, you know, fire on fire that doesn't deal with the issue. Yeah, there there are two main issues. I I completely agree with everything you said. And there are two complete, two big issues that always bother me when, when people, you know, come out and say, say words like this. And then those two excuses that they like infuriate me were, well, it's freedom of speech. It's my right to say it. Well, you know what? You can say whatever you want, but it's my right to criticize that. And I, I don't want to be associated and like uh, with, with such type of people to begin with. And, and that's why I join your, you know, recommendation with people who disagree can, you know, find another podcast or another community that will, will agree to to their, uh, uh, um, you know, ways of living that we certainly don't. And when people say these words and then they come out with this, well, I didn't mean anything by it. Well, you're, you're an adult and everything you say is kind of like your responsibility. And there's a, there's a reason why people use these words. I hate this little excuse of like, like, uh, like a a child and even children are more sensitive than that. Like, you know why you use that word to begin with. Don't, don't play coy like and oh it's it's i thought it was okay before well this is what progress is there's a lot of words that i'm sure like uh, 50 years ago people would would uh say the same thing like oh well everybody says that and now it's obviously isn't so it's just like a matter of context and and just you know don't be don't be an idiot yeah the the thing about this is when it really comes down to it you know you you mentioned it uh, I think succinctly your, your right to free speech doesn't make it right. Yeah. And if you, you, this is the thing you, you know, when you say something like if you say, well, I didn't mean harm or I didn't intend on this being harmful. See, there's a problem there because you, you didn't intend for it, but you knew that it was possible Yeah. because you're not saying, I'm sorry. I did not know what that word meant. I did. I, I, I did not know. Like it, if you don't know, Fess up, apologize, because you obviously didn't learn from it, Be- evolve, become better. Sure. sure. You know what? I, I have time and day for people who want to become better, yeah. but to say, oh, I didn't intend. Well, if you didn't intend, the fact that you say that means you knew how it could hob harm. Right. You simply didn't intend it to be harmful this time around. Yeah. And I, I get fired up. I'm an old man. You want to call me a boomer? Have at it. <laughs> like, yeah and and like no whatever i i get it too listen when i and and we we all have control over what we say and and when i get i don't know i i'd play overwatch and and i'd i'd write in the chat hey i have uh gold gold limbs on zenyatta it's not because i'm trying to be nice to the dps obviously i'm 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 kind of being an a-hole and i'm trying like to 
to, you know, get my frustrations out. But like that, you, you I'm not bringing out excuses of, oh, I, I didn't mean anything bad by it. Like, people should be responsible of what they say. And they, they, they completely understand, you know, the, the, what they're saying is if you're an adult and not even adults, but like anyone who's like on a public platform, whether it's an athlete or an esports athlete. And we unfortunately get so many examples floating up again and again. Yeah. yeah, And that's why I, I feel it's, it's uh, important to, to speak up on it. And I'm sure that most of our listeners, as I know them all would agree with me, but even if one person kind of comes out from this little rant and says, well, I, I, that's actually true. I never thought about that uh, that way. Then, well, we, we, you know, we did a little bit, we did something good. And that's what I expect from anyone. That's, that's that's why you should speak up about it. And that's, what's key. If, if, if someone reconsiders and they learn from this, then you're right. We've done good. And that's, that's the thing we need to learn. We need to be better than we are today. And if there's something that I'd like, and I am proud of us as a podcast that we've made very clear is there's a number of things that we will not stand for. And if we see it ourselves, we will speak up and And we don't shy about like uh, shy away from these topics. We'll always speak about it and what we think about it. And I, I believe that anybody who shares the same values and beliefs with us are more than welcome to, you know, join our community and, and, you know, grow like that, grow, grow as, uh, as people and as a community. Yeah. Genuinely curious about uh, your thoughts on this matter. Again, if you don't agree with us, that's fine. Just stop listening and we'll probably be good moving forward. But I think as, as Ani said, a vast majority of you do. And if you can think of something that we as a community can do more of and be better about, please let us know in RSP core, let us know on, yeah. on, on Twitter, social media, wherever it happens to be. Um, because again, we as a community are a powerful thing. And I think we can set the standard. We can, we can truly make the the game that we love, the game that we follow, the, the esports scene become one that uh, is not a, a a bastion for misogyny or racism, uh, sexism. It needs to be a place of inclusivity. Yeah, you no know, think about the human aspect. Experience what uh, fearless experience, or what any of you know the ladies who were on the that panel uh, yeah. said. These things happen, and yeah, it's very bad. So I know we've taken a very serious turn here, but we felt it was a very serious topic that we needed to address. Um, we are, however, um, at the the end of this episode, a lengthy one, now one in which we were able to go and set up the Overwatch League season, talk to KDG from the Toronto Defiant and Justin Hughes from the Vancouver Titans. We talked about what's going to go on this weekend and everything that's happening with the game. And we didn't even tell you that, hey, the archives event is still live uh, in Overwatch. And I had actually misspoken. If you want to get those archives skins and sprays, you actually have to play archives matches and get stars. Which is, uh, which I think is different. I don't recall that being the case last time around. But uh, uh, thankfully, I noticed this weekend and proceeded to go and hammer out uh, uh, a number of uh, of maps. But uh, what final words of wisdom do you have for uh, all of our listeners here, Ani? Rhubarb pie is underrated. Is it like on its own, like rhubarb or like strawberry rhubarb? You see, there you go. This is exactly the type of underrating uh we're dealing with here oh well i I mean i love strawberry rhubarb pie why 
well, it, it's good on its own too. Yeah. What I'm saying, if even if it's a strawberry rhubarb pie, it's the rhubarb that's, that carries. Hmm. Uh, as for me, um, poutine, greatest dish on the, on this planet. <laughs> Uh, eat some, if you don't like it, try it. Cause I'm sure you just had bad poutine. Get it from like a place that serves good poutine, not like fast food. You might get good poutine at fast food restaurants. If you like it good, go with it. But trust me, the good stuff. Oh, oh it's very like good. pure gold. Very good. So as we look to wrap this episode up, if you haven't done so already, please join RSP discord. You can do that by going to discord.io slash ready, set, poem. You can find us on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Heck, we should be on TikTok at some point. Uh, we're not yet, but we're at Ready, Set, Pwn on all those different uh, platforms. It's been a while since we had anyone tell us how our show is. Drop us a review. And if you drop us a review wherever you can, and I can see it, I will read it on an upcoming episode verbatim. Again, you can get me to say all sorts of crazy stuff within reason. Um, I will choose to censor some depending on what language you use. And um, if it happens to be foul, you might find I call you on it. As you have noticed, I have no problem doing so. Uh, but please let us know how our show is. And if you prefer just to let us know how the show is without dropping a review, you can send us a message. Our DMs are wide open and email is feedback at readysetpound.com. So on behalf of Omni at OmniStrife, myself, Chris at Lightforce, we're super excited the 2021 Overwatch League season's about to begin. And by the way, catchphrase. Thank you.